This is the Jim Cren No Restrictions Podcast. We're coming to you nationwide. We are coming to you worldwide on the Sideshow Network. It's Mike Wysocki, Terry Jones, Mike Sasson, and here's your host, radio and comedy legend. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Jim Cren. Jim Cren. No restrictions on the Side Show Network here at Talent Network Studios in Pittsburgh, PA. Wayne Wow on the controls, and of course, Dave Settlemeyer, uh, Josh Folio, and Frank Mergia behind the scenes on air. Of course, we have, as always, my partners in crime, Mike Wysocki, Mike Sasson, Terry Jones, and we have like kind of a new set here. Frank is going through a, he's going through a tin gun. Modern era. He's got very modern lines in the studio. <laughs> and we're going with all black <laughs> and earth tones. Very, very chic. I like it. I like the new studio look here. What do you think? W- Wayne is the assistant designer in this. You did? And it looks very <laughs> It's very nice. We've got s- chairs here, a nice like table, one. water bottles. If you ever want to drop by, you're in Pittsburgh. You're, you know you're always welcome. And... It's very L.A. I think the guys in L.A. would approve. Not that, I don't like that Except chair. The rocking chair. You're not That's scary. That, well, every horror movie starts off with a rocking chair, chair rocking by itself. You have to have one scary chair. You do. In case an old timer comes in or something. And they go, <laughs> yes, too modern. And they go, ooh, rocking chair. <laughs> then they die on the chair yeah. and it Boom. rocks by itself for the rest of <laughs> recording. Tell us about the olden days of podcasting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh we started podcasting. Yeah, yeah. We started podcasting in 2012. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you were a glint in your mother's eye. We had a can. 2012, that's still too we late. We had a can and a wire. <laughs> one person would be on the can, and the other one would be on the other can. And a gentleman <laughs> by the name of Wayne Weil would get their wires and make sure they could hear <laughs> I'm noted. <laughs> but it, but we had a, the uh, the one uh, Mr. my Mr. Rogers uh, trolley is in the other room, and I was all panicked. If Wayne knows where the Mr. Rogers trolley is, and I was saying off the air that that was given to me by Mr. Rogers, and this is the king, Mr. Rogers is the man. And what happened was, it was the the last uh, year, the last few episodes, Mr. Rogers was recording. And uh, my friend, uh, Margie, Margie Whitmer, is a producer for Mr. Rogers for many years. And Margie said, uh, Ralph the Cat, Mr. Rogers had heard Ralph the Cat (laughs) and started asking Margie about Ralph. And Margie said, and it's true because I told Margie once, I said, you know, Ralph the Cat, which if you're listening to podcasts and you don't know my radio background, I do a lot of characters. And one of the characters is my cat, Ralph, and he's my burnout cat, but... And he sounds like this, and they called in his Ralph, and all that, and he, and he says, you want to burn one? And Ralph's like the burn But anyway, the influence was from Henrietta Pussycat. That's where Ralph the Cat's influence was Henrietta. And now the character's voice is my burnout friend from college and a, and a couple other burnout friends combined. So there's a lot of things. But 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 as far as the idea that, that Ralph being this having a voice and calling is from growing up and seeing Henrietta Pussycat and stuff and all these different characters Mr. Rogers kind of did I watched him growing up so it was his last episode last one or I think maybe last one or two episodes that he's gonna 
actually be doing live stuff, live take, tape. So Margie invites me, and it's a PBS in uh, Pittsburgh here, QED. Q- and I, it's kind of cool because it's very exclusive. There's only like six people there, me and my wife, Hetty, four reporters that were invited, and they're sitting on chairs, and Mr. Rogers is doing his show and doing the last episode, and he's doing all the puppets, and, and he's busy. And he's doing his, I'm watching him for an hour or so. He came over a couple times and waved. He was very nice and friendly. And I thought that was it. He goes back over, he does his thing. And I'm thinking, it's, he's too busy. He's got so much going on. I, I figured, well, I guess I don't get a chance to meet him. But that's okay. At least I get to see him. And I told Hetty, I leaned over to Hetty and I said, you know, I guess we're not going to get a chance to see. And Hetty's face was like, our eyes are wide. And I turn and Henrietta Pussycat is on my ear. He walked over. He had like a break and a take. He walked over, he snuck up behind me, and he's rubbing it. <laughs> <laughs> and he puts it in my face. Is Henrietta Pussycat? And Mr. Rogers goes, Meow, meow. Henrietta wants to meet Ralph. <laughs> and I start laughing. I'm like, Oh my God, Mr. Rogers. And he goes, Yeah, I heard you. I heard you uh, do that Ralph from Henrietta. You like that? I go, I love Henrietta Pussycat, of course. And so he goes, Do you want, want me to show you how, how I do it? I do this. I says, yeah. So he brings me up to the set, and he went all behind the set and showed me how he does the, you know, Henrietta, and and, and he talked about King Friday, <laughs> talked about all the different characters, and showed me the set and the whole deal. And this is how cool he is. Uh, there, there were four other national media guys there, and they had cameras and stuff. They had like Canon, they one whatever these big time Canon cameras. Hetty brought a cardboard camera and felt a little weird out of place for these four or five, whatever, photographers, big-time photographers. Mm-hmm. She's a little, and they're taking pictures. And Mr. Rogers, to make Hetty, she saw, he saw that Hetty, my wife, was feeling weird about the camera. He could sense it. That's how holy this guy was. He goes, eh, excuse me. <laughs> he goes, I love those, those cardboard cameras. Listen, can I see that? Hetty goes, yeah. So he grabs it and he starts taking pictures of Hetty. And he made Hetty feel like, like a million dollars. It was at the point where all these guys with these ten five thousand dollar cameras are wishing they had a cardboard. They wish they had a cardboard camera. Mm-hmm. It, but it was cool because he made her feel accepted and whatever. She could sense it. And it was so cool because they're all looking at her like, wow, that's really cool. And then Mr. Rogers taking pictures of her and, and he's taking pictures of you know, her and I and stuff, and he gives mm-hmm. the camera back. And and we chatted for about twenty minutes and we just talked about uh, the, the the doing the voices, doing voices and characters, and he says how he uses them to get across the kids, and he said you know, puppets were a way to cross a lot of things, and when kids are afraid and and whatever, you can talk to them. It's uh, and using the puppet obviously is a tool to to get a message across, and kids that are maybe having trouble, and I'm sure he meant views or whatever. And so the guy had a heavy psychology background, I'm sure, with it. You know, he's an interesting character. And, and the more Margie told me about him, and I learned about him, the nicer, the more of a, an earthbound saint this guy was. Absolutely. I mean, we're all Western PA, Pittsburgh guys, everything like that. Of all the famous people that are from this area, you know, the Arnold Palmers, all the great quarterbacks, athletes, movie stars, everything like that, I'd say probably the guy that I'm most proud 
that he's a Pittsburgh guy would be Mr. Rogers. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, like, you go anywhere yeah. in the country and you sit there and they're like, oh, I'm my, I have this guy from my hometown, this guy from my hometown. And we can go, oh, Marino, Arnold Palmer, Michael Keaton, blah, blah, blah. But when you throw down the card, Mr. Rogers, <laughs> oh, you there's win. no topping that. Yeah, exactly. And it crosses all demographics there. Like, even on our shows, a comedy show, you talk about Fred Rogers because Mr. Rogers would. You know, most of us grew up listening to watching him. I, I wish I had Margie on sometime, the producer. She has these great stories that are funny about him. Um, I thought the one that's kind of interesting is, as she told me, is uh, whenever they would go out to eat, Fred Rogers never, Mr. Rogers never ordered a dinner. But what he would do is eat your dinner. And <laughs> it's Mr. Rogers. You're not going to say, hey, Fred, get your fork off my plate, man. It's Mr. <laughs> Rogers. Like, so... You know, you could order, like, your favorite meal. He'd sit there, and they'd all be to dinner. And be, you'd be like, uh, uh, chicken, whatever. I have a steak, and Terry, you have a pasta, and you get chicken, fried rice, whatever, whatever. Catch a tour, whatever. But anyway, Fred wouldn't they go to him. Yeah, chicken, I'll just have a, can I have a fork? And he'll bring the fork, and Fred ends up eating off of everybody's plate. He's taking a bite of yours, and if he likes yours, you're done. You don't go for it. <laughs> oh, wow. And you can't say, Mr. Rogers, you get your own. I'm not going to do that, right? I'm going to say Fred, mm. whatever you want. I just thought that, I thought that was so funny. And it was brilliant. I'm like, that's a good idea. It's genius. It's genius because you get to eat a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. You get to take a taste of everything. And who's going to say no to you? Who's going to say no to Fred? You can't uh -huh. say no to Mr. Rogers, right? That's the coolest thing. Get your own fuck face. Hey, man. <laughs> There's your mouth. Yeah, smack his hand. Yeah, get the yeah. fuck <laughs> off the plate. That ain't happening. It's not happening. <laughs> no. If that happened, like if he had picked my meal, like that was when I'd go there probably once a week <laughs> and just eat that. Because if that was the yes. meal that Fred Rogers said, I like that, uh, to this day, I'd just be like, yeah, I go to Joe's, I have the kitchen, the chicken cacciatore, that's me and Mr. Rogers' meal, that's what we do. He had, uh, there was a kid in uh, California, he was very, very sick, and um, he loved Mr. Rogers. So he flies out to meet the kid, and he was a very Ill, really ill kid, and um, he goes in, talks to the kid, and he says, uh, and the kid's like dying sick and fred said uh mr Rose says hey uh how you doing Tony? he says he say man because I, I, I want you to pray for me he said i want you to pray for me and he laughed and all and the mother said you know called him later weekly he's doing better he said incredibly better he said what'd you say to him and fred so well, i just told him i want want him to uh pray for me he says huh and he goes well he said what happens is there's the kid's sick. He said since he was little, and, and he said so. People are talking to him, fawning all over, and they want they they want to do something for him all the time. And he has nothing to do. He in giving, he said, gives you strength. Mm -hmm. So I wanted him to give something. And he said, and he said, a sick a child, especially a sick child, he says, the closest thing you'll ever get to God on this earth. So if he prays for me, he's the closest thing to God on this earth. He said, that's an, almost an, like an angel or something praying for you. So you're not going to get any more powerful prayer than from him. So he said part of it was selfish because it was for me. And part of it was the psychology to have the kid do something to do something for someone else. Instead of over. I'm like, I, after that, I was done. I was like, this guy is an earth. He's, that's what I meant by I say a saint, like oh kind of an earthbound. A saint is a 100% first rate human being. They grew up Catholic. It's whatever. If you're not, that's what that is. It's not a God. It's a human being. But there's saints amongst us, we believe. But, you know, you could have a mom, grandma, whatever. Or a guy like Mr. Rogers, make mistake, fallible human, stuff like that. 
the, and look at the impact he made. Well, I saw that because the Pope did that recently when he came to the United and asked people to pray for him. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? But now I completely get it. <laughs> and then Pope Francis is doing it's an that, energy you know, twenty years later. Yeah, it's that. an energy of hey, man, you're doing something. When you give, that's the energy of happiness that you get. When you give something, isn't that cool? Yeah. My favorite thing is that Mr. Right, the rumors are the greatest. When he say he's like a sniper and nom, I'd love. Could you imagine on a History Channel? You know, got Charlie Kong in my sights, gonna blow his fucking head off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you spell brain splatter? He's <laughs> <laughs> got a blood, bloody sweater at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Took Charlie out a lot today. I'm a sniper. <laughs> <laughs> Vietnam old general on History Channel. We heard the song. Well, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and we knew we were fucked. <laughs> the Cardigan <laughs> Devil. <laughs> Shoot you. He is heartless. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got back and yeah. said, uh, It's alcohol. I'm good. <laughs> gonna send you to the land of make believe. You're going <laughs> yeah. He used to. Uh, Andy Manjo's gonna take care of you, fucker. He used to buy shoes off my dad at Littles. Did he buy shoes at Littles? Yeah. No, he did not. You, I can't believe you held this in all this time. Yeah. He, he's that's about, awesome. He's about shoes at Littles, and out of all, I have Michael Jordan's autograph. Okay, that's okay. like almost as big. That's as pretty cool. <laughs> I have all these different autographs of different people. My dad has a board. Out of all the autographs, that is like the biggest thing to me was. I was a kid. He came. He came in with a headshot of Mister Rogers that Mister Rogers gave him. That's awesome. Signed, Santu Terry. It's the greatest. So your dad works a legendary shoe store for those who don't know. Yeah, Pittsburgh, uh, little, Pittsburgh little shoe he's, store. He's, yeah, Ronzi's great. Uh, yeah, he's, he knows every celebrity because every celebrity goes. Like Sinbad has been in there. Everyone, everybody, Robinson. Yeah, and even quietly, I'm sure everybody has gone yeah. through the city. Has gone and everyone in the city. Uh, but so he's met a lot of fascinating people in his career. Um, so, Mr. Wright, what did he buy? Did he remember? Do you remember what he said? I was an adult. What he bought? Did he buy like shoes like on the show? Because I wonder if it, remember he always put the shoes on. Yeah, I wonder I, if he bought them. Switch shoes. <laughs> he would always switch the shoes. And said, you "Just got some new shoes. Here, the breaking these." In. Funny Littles, thing is, those Littles. shoes they sold at Littles for a very long time. That exact shoe. That was the so show. So I would have to ask my dad if that's the exact shoe. I think it was. It probably was. There was yeah, he would always right. go in there, he'd buy shoes. And it then um, the there were be. guys that worked at, uh, you know, for Mr. Rogers, producers, people on set. Okay. And they would always tell me, oh, Fred loves your dad, man. Oh, oh he see, just uh, loves So, yeah, they said see, Fred was, was a great shoe. guy. It had to be the shoe. It had to be. I'm going to check with because them. Because I'll confirm. Mr. Rogers did not have, like, this huge uh, <laughs> shoe closet. Shoe if he did, they were wardrobe. all the same shoe. If he did, it had to be that <laughs> shoe. I'm sure he bought the shoe off your dad, man. Yeah. So he would get, um, but it was really cool. And uh, the, my favorite rumor is supposedly it's true, but people say it's not. He has tattoo sleeves. They said that he, he said tattoo no, I, I've sleeves. Seen, I've seen his arms. And they said not. that's why he had uh, sweaters on. I think that's all hysterical. The, the tattoos. I love the, that rumor. The tattoo by the sleeves way. is my favorite. That's rumor. awesome. They man. said he would never wear uh, short sleeve shirts. And it's all Steelers too. The tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> it's all black and gold Steelers all the way up and down. <laughs> yeah, one's just mean Joe Green on yeah, his bicep. On bicep. <laughs> He's got it all. I think it's. You're right. <laughs> He had the best my, rumors about him. Though. My, my favorite thing was uh, my buddy I grew up with. My, and these are old guys I grew up with, and um, I don't know if you want me to give. I don't know sure if you want me to get a last name. He's, I, lo- I love his kid, but you know, one of the guys I grew up with, Robert. Robert is such a character, man. He wouldn't mind me sharing the story because he knows I do that joking around in my act with him. Story, because we all grew up together in a strip. But Rob, Robert, um, he worked at QED for a while, and. Given, he's a very eclectic, interesting character, Robert. Robert would do all kinds of wild stuff. 
I love this adventure of him. He would, he was, he was uh, my roommate for a while. First, when I got back from college, was on the road and stuff, and he was working at QED in a printing area, or and, and he and he said he knew Mr. Rogers and all this stuff. Well, anyway, at one point, Robert had different jobs, like constantly different jobs, and and I mean different. Like for instance, one time he says, um, and Robert has a high pitched voice. He still does, and this is who he is. And but you love him. He's a great, kind-hearted guy, good man. And, and Robert, he talks kind of like this. <laughs> so, so Robert says, um, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to ninja school." <laughs> I said, "Why do you say I'm gonna go to ninja school?" I'm like, "What's that?" She goes, "Well, <laughs> you're gonna drive me out to Ohio because Robert doesn't have a license at the time." <laughs> and he's, he's like, <laughs> you know, 30, 28, 30. He's, "You're gonna drive me out to Ohio." And it's a five-day school, and then you're going to pick me up five days. <laughs> it's uh, outside of Columbus, and uh, I'm going to be taught by a guy who teaches ninja. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? No, I already paid. It's like 550 bucks. <laughs> I'm like, are you, you're kidding me. Nope. So me <laughs> and, and Kenny, Kenny, uh, <laughs> which the whole ride was Kenny just saying to Robert, you fucking asshole. <laughs> that for three or four hours. So we drive him out, and, and it's like a motel three and a half or something, one of those things. And we pull in, and there's a guy, and I'm walking by, the, and there's all these guys signed up for ninja school. And there's a guy, oh, geez, is what I said. There's like 100 of them. And there's one guy, like, sharpening this big knife. And I'm thinking, Robert, you could please, let's just start. <laughs> let's go home. We're never going to see you again. You do know that. Cut your losses. Cut your losses. <laughs> look, look. don't worry about it. Just get in the car. You're not doing this. I'm doing it. So I'm like, all right, we'll see you in five days. Five days later, we're like, you think we're ever going to see Robert? Can't see. Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> so we drive out, go to the motel three and a half. Robert comes smiling. He comes back five days. He gets in the car. We're quiet for a while. And all of a sudden, Robert out of nowhere goes, <laughs> You know what ninjas, ninjas eat for breakfast? What? <laughs> Grand Slam. <laughs> 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 eat tennis every day. And they go, what did you learn? He goes, well, two of the days they dropped us in the woods and we had to live off the land. <laughs> and Kenny's like, you fucking asshole. I would have dropped you off in North Park for 200 bucks. <laughs> so... No, here's the weirdest, funniest part. That's a great scam. Well, wait, it gets better. <laughs> gets better. Robert will not answer to the name Robert. Oh. Because they gave him a ninja name. <laughs> and the name was Whisper. And I had to call him Whisper. And every time I say Robert, he goes, Whisper. Whisper, which is his ninja name. <laughs> which we had to dress him for like six months. We had to call him Whisper. He wouldn't let this go. Like it was Whisper. He had to do it. Ah. Okay, now, fast forward years. Fast forward years to 2002. This is my first cover of Pittsburgh Magazine. Uh, won like a reader's poll or something. And they were, and this, they, I'd fortunate to be on the cover a couple times. So this is the cover, and they're going to photograph the cover. So we're at the photo shoot, Hetty and I, and we're doing the whole deal. And I'm doing a cigar, and a, you know, and... Mm -hmm. They're doing the whole, you know, King in the Morning thing and the whole deal stuff. We're putting the whole together. And then I do the interview, part of the interview, and do the other part and all that. But anyway, in the middle of it all, they said, do you want to? This was the first time. The second time was, was the, the, the actual 
final, you know, the showing thing. But the first time I met her for a minute, Mr. Rogers, just to say hello real quick. And they said, do you want to meet Mr. Rogers? And this is the very first time I go, sure. I'd love to, of course, you know. So they bring me upstairs at QED after I'm done with the photo shoot and the whole thing. And, I'm just gonna, and they see his minute only, he's like in his office. And then the second time, of course, I was watching the whole thing with Mario. But this is the first time. That's a problem. But I went and I go, real quick, I go, now I remember Robert saying like five, six years earlier, seven, ten years earlier, whatever it was. I said uh, that he, he knew Mr. Rogers because he worked at QED. And I swear to God, I go, Mr. Rogers, my buddy, Robert, about 10, 12 years ago, worked here, man. He said he knew you. You know, and all. And he says, his name is uh, Robert. And I'm not kidding. He looks up. He's right. And he stops. He looks up. Mr. Rogers looks at me and goes, so how is Whisper? We've <laughs> 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 got, got Mr. Oh, Rogers to call him. How fucking funny is that? Oh, my God. <laughs> that awesome? I went oh, out of my mind. I was laughing wow. so hard. Just awesome. the way he said it. So how is Whisper? Now, and, and so he was serious. He wasn't like screwing. He's no, like, oh, how's Whisper? No. <laughs> how is Whisper? <laughs> he respected him as a ninja. It's awesome. Wow. Isn't that great? That is great. He's the neighborhood ninja. <laughs> it was amazing. He remembered that. We're doing things. They just drop off in the woods. Yes. You guys figure it out. I'm making $110 off of each one of you people by dropping you off in the woods. Kenny. Each uh, day. That's so awesome. Kenny and Robert so used to get in this oh, all out fist fights, man. <laughs> like all. But I knew him. We grew up with me and Tom. We just knew. You just pull them off each other. You know, not going to really hurt each other's fist fights. Just throwing them. Is that why he wanted to be a ninja? No, he never really could use the ninja thing. But but what he do? (laughs) Kenny was actually a badass fighter. Still is Kenny. Mm -hmm. uh, Kenny, don't mess with Kenny. Kenny, little he can he can bring it. Hmm. He can bring the heat. I saw Kenny kick some fucking ass, man. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Kenny does not fuck around. He had this. Kenny's (laughs) a small, short, and he's got this little raincoat, and he had this little umbrella. In in this guy, (laughs) in in, in, uh, there were this guy was in. There was two guys, and one guy, we were walking down the strip, and we grew up in the strip, in the hard scrap where, and <laughs> this guy just motherfucked Kenny. He said, fuck you, motherfucker. He says, I'm going to take your umbrella. Kenny hands it, and he goes, hold this, and he beat the fuck out of the guy in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Grabbed his umbrella and kept walking. Uh, I'm walking. Nice. I'm like, Kenny, you are a bad motherfucker. I don't care what anyone says. Kenny did I mean, he did not fuck around. There was no I talking. And the best was there was no talk. The guy was ready to do his talking. Kenny's fucking hitting. He's punching and going. He threw. He could throw mean hits. But he would not with Robert. It was more of a love hit. Mm-hmm. It was love punches. But they were pissed. But the funniest <laughs> part was their voices would go higher with each other when they would swear at each other. And it would always be this. This was the argument always. There'd be some comment back and forth. And then you hear Kenny go, fuck you, Robert. And you hear, fuck you, Kenny. And you're, fuck you, Robert. Fuck you, Kenny. Fuck you. Fuck you. And it gets higher and higher. <laughs> and then the fight would happen. Uh. So about... Two months after the ninja thing, three months, Robert is in a vegetarian thing, he's telling us. Everywhere he goes, he says, yeah, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat meat. <laughs> Kenny can't take it, finally. <laughs> he goes, what the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> he goes, I saw you eat a fucking whole turkey almost the other day. A whole motherfucking turkey. What's so fucking vegetarian about that? Then I saw him eat hot sauces. He ate six hot fucking sauces. <laughs> <Going through. laughs> he goes, Fuck you, Kenny. And he started in Eden Park. <laughs> they got in a fight. Uh-huh. It's all because he ordered a big uh, super burger. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're getting Kenny. Because I thought you were a <laughs> Whisper. So funny. 
characters, man. There was great. They were, yeah, they were awesome. But uh, that's true stories. But it's funny, man. Yeah, Mr. Rogers. He has whispers, man. I love. That. I just absolutely love that thing, man. It's, we all have. You all. Everyone has kids, and we. I'm sure you guys grew up with the same kind of guys, and you know, buddies. And I've been fortunate to know those guys a lot through adulthood and everything. <laughs> you know, so Tommy and those guys. So, yeah, good, good men, good men, man. Drinking buddies and buddies. So, uh, that's why I think I, I relate to some of those shows. Like, see, my favorite. I love the show, The League. See, The League. Yeah. It's like yeah. guys who grew up together doing a football thing and stuff. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, so, hey, uh, <laughs> change gears. I'm talking about meatballs. I'm going to talk about. Ter- tell me about this um, this uh, thing you found online. This 50 Cent. These photos this morning. Oh you yeah. Thought, what is that, man? What, so, tell us all about this. What happened was 50 Cent on behalf quote on behalf of Floyd Mayweather. He said Floyd made him post this. It was a picture of Ronda Rousey knocked out in the hands of Rocky and <laughs> Apollo Creed's coach crying. <laughs> and it's from that scene in Rocky IV where... Where Apollo died? Or? Where he died, and he, if he dies, he dies. <laughs> That's what they did to Ronda. So he's she's holding him. Oh, holding That's completely all, did, blood did, on her wait, face. Did, did 50 Cent do this? 50 Cent did this. He posted this he on really Instagram. He really did? It wasn't a jack? No, he really posted this, and may, I guess he made the picture, had someone uh, Photoshop <laughs> it real quick. And now, uh, now did Ronda Rousey here, here's the photo again. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I posted it on your fan page. Wow, it's and Ronda, Twitter. Is so Ronda, if anyone wants to see it, at yeah, Jim Crin. Check that out. How T S is awesome. It, oh, so funny. She looks bad, man. She got messed she, up. She got knocked the fuck out. Did she? <laughs> you got knocked the fuck out, man. <laughs> did she? <laughs> Fra- straight from Friday. You watched the. You you watched. You saw the fights here. It, 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 it was this girl. Did she outclass her or something? So the analysis of the fight is that Ronda Rousey is a brawler. Anyone that knows about fighting, you have your brawlers and then you have your skilled fighters. Mm -hmm. Ronda would knock people out like Mike Tyson because she would just go in and attack. And those people were not ready for that kind of attack yet. I see. So she she built a record on on – Getting surprise, element surprise. Pretty much. I mean, if you watch old Tyson fights, Tyson was just so brutal with his uppercuts and yes. hooks. He scared he the hell low out. to the earth, and he scared them. He rushed them, and yeah. they weren't used to being rushed. He could rattle you exactly because if you look at boxing, you watch mm-hmm. it, you could throw a couple jabs, and then you go in for attack. Tyson was going in attacking. Ronda True. did the same mm-hmm. thing, but Holly is a trained kickboxer. Mm-hmm. She strategically pulled off like what Joe Frazier did with Muhammad Ali which is that she strategically knew that she could hit her a certain way and get her frustrated enough. I see, and, and get her out of her Out of element? her game, and she did. What she did wow. was she moved around so much that Ronda couldn't handle it. Ronda's punches weren't connecting, and she was hitting her with left jab straight to the ha- face. Holly's like ten, was 10-0 going into that fight. Oh, yeah, she was undefeated. She, was undefeated. she wasn't a bum. No, this was a girl who was on the up. You know what's funny about the MMA? I was talking about this earlier. Yeah. Uh, on, we were a morning show on Q92.9 FM weekdays. Uh saying that how I think the girls are going to save MMA. MMA is very popular, and it does do numbers, but it doesn't do Mayweather and Pacquiao numbers, no matter what anyone says, no matter what the argument, it doesn't. They can get there now. Yeah, With Ronda Rousey, Some in the loss, believe it or not, does it, because now I'm interested. Mm-hmm. I'm a boxing fan, but I'm going to get that pay-per-view. Aren't you? Everybody's going to get the rematch for yeah. Rousey versus her, thinking, okay, she could – she had enough equity to say, okay, I was partying, I doing the too much Tonight Show stuff or whatever, and yeah, and she, I, I went in. And, and, and you think that was maybe the problem. Yeah, you go out, you become a celebrity. 
the thing is, she became such a huge phenom. Everybody's velvet rope articles. You. You're believing everything. You're on the Tonight Show. You're on this show. You're on WWE with The Rock. It doesn't get bigger than male Beyonce. The true. Rock. That's true. And you know, so you're dealing <laughs> with that, and you're like, oh yeah, everything's great. Roddy Roddy Piper gave her her name. He approved of it. Interesting. So being that Rowdy Roddy Piper approved of the name. Really? Rowdy Roddy Piper did. Rowdy Roddy Piper. And remember, he was a bad guy in wrestling. He was the mm-hmm. heel. So that's why she went that route. That's huh. where she got the nickname from because she was a fan. So you're playing this bad guy okay. role. You're getting all this fame, and you mm-hmm. lose track of your game because you're not training anymore. So that's why she was. So that's why she didn't touch gloves and all that stuff. So she kind of, she's sort of the bad guy. Yeah, she wants to be the heel. She wanted to be that huh. cool bad guy like The Rock or like Rowdy. Yeah, because they were Piper. getting on her. And, and but isn't it fitting to, for her to be more the hero though because of uh, the the movie stardom and all the you know and people were kind of looking at her that way. The girl. Power kind of little girls looking up to her in a weird way, isn't it? Kind of a maybe go that way. I guess I don't not. Think so. Maybe it, maybe it was a mixed message. I guess when you're a badass, her whole point was that just as a be, woman that she could just do whatever the she hell could she do wants. that. Yeah, to have a little swagger. Yeah, have some swag, have some diss, and be nude on covers of ESPN magazine. Probably good that. for the sport to to have the bad person. And you to, have to. And it's more flavor. And it's too. good for the sport actually that she lost because that sparks an interest. We're gonna watch yeah. it, right? Yeah, oh, I'll yeah. watch it. I'll pay fifty bucks for that. I think and I think in the short term it yeah. helps them, but I think long term I think they wanted to build her up into like that Tyson. Yeah, they the did. last time the heavyweight division really Tyson, was, Tyson. Yeah. but at the last time the heavyweight division was the preeminent like in up up in like with football and basketball and baseball was when you had Tyson this unbeatable force and yeah. everybody watching him. Now You're that right. now that I mean unless it becomes like it was maybe in the early 70s you where need, you had four or five. You need a phenom. You need a guy. Well, Tyson was just so talented. Yeah. He was that good, guys. And, I mean, I used to watch his fights. He he was making top contenders like they were amateurs. I mean, these guys deserve And it was yeah. so great that people said, oh, there's no competition in his era. That's not true. There's no such thing. You have men who are training for a year to beat you. There's oh, yeah. competition. That's bullshit. I mean, from Trevor Burrick to whoever he fought, this guy fought top quality golden, not golden, not only golden gloves, yeah. but, but gold medalists, silver yeah. medalists, bronze medalists, worldwide fighters. He took on all challenges. And think about Tyson that made him so great during that era. For about it's a three-year window. He took every number one contender, man. He did not dodge a number one. It, most guys won't do that. Most guys will. You'll fight a number one, and then you'll mm-hmm. you'll do you'll fight a fifteenth rank guy for in the twelfth rank guy for the next two years, and then you fight the next, so you make money. Tyson was like number one, number one, number one, constant. Right down to Michael Spinks, who at the time, Michael Spinks was noted as the best boxer in the world because he beat he whooped Larry Holmes. Ass. He was beat Holmes, and he was called pound for pound, yep. the best. He was a craftsman. They said, "Who carve him up?" He was a. He <laughs> lost the fight in the instructions. I remember his eyes just like glazed, like out of it, man. And he just put him out. I think he knocked him out like it had to be forty seconds, forty five seconds. It really was. It was not good. Yeah, because I paid for the pay, the closed circuit that time. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, when we got popcorn, came back, he was fucking knocked out. Well, that almost <laughs> brings that brings up the point in terms of sports. There's always this debate: Is it better for a sport to have a dominant? team or a dominant person or to have parody because like you think about it everyone always talks about in terms of any sport they always say oh college football is the best when notre dame and alabama are the best or the nfl is good when it's the steelers cowboys everything like that or do you want it where it's like every year a new champion every year different teams boxing i think individual sports Mm -hmm. i think the dominant i want a dominant and an individual in team sports i like parody 
Like, mm-hmm. I like when Tiger Woods dominated. I like ones because then I have somebody I can watch, I can root for. Yeah. You could either see if they win or lose. Are they going to break records? Individual in Tyson or you know, any individual sport like boxing, tennis, um, whatever, table tennis. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, I, it, but I like it. Then in team sports, though, I do like parity because of our team. Like, you know, for instance, the Pirates, when we were losing 100 games, it wasn't until baseball changed a little bit and, and get some structure, some cap, some parity. Yeah. that we could compete and get our own stars and they didn't couldn't just stock up on on you know a bloated payroll they still mm-hmm. sort of can there's a little more parity in baseball anyway and you're starting to see teams like Kansas City and stuff win what do you think what do you like well i personally think that it's more popular when it's a dominant force and you have one team to hate like right now the patriots i mean we all hate them in the nfl are that dominant team now it's different mm-hmm. teams fighting them but if you looked at the the, the 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 television ratings, if it was this year, the C, you know, the Seattle Seahawks against the New England Patriots again, right. the huge ratings. But if it became the St. Louis Rams versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then the next year, the Carolina Panthers versus the Cincinnati Bengals, you'd see the interest level and the ratings not skyrocket. I just think that dominant teams sometimes – it gets the casual fan to like pay attention a little bit more, like a Tyson, like in in tennis. If there was like back in where there was a McEnroe or a Connors, or whatever, there was well, dominance. Some, and some like mystique that. is built. Yeah. yeah. Um, you were talking about this because I read an interesting article about Tiger Woods because you brought him up, mm-hmm. and the article was talking about Arnold Palmer and Phil Mickelson's uh, how they had a rivalry, and they said. Golf was not the same after Tiger Woods went oh, downhill. Jack, Jack, Jack Nicholas, I'm sorry. Yeah, Jack Nicholas, I'm sorry. Um, they said it it was downhill after that because we only had one person to root for in golf, he and he was no so dominant that yeah. he had no rival. Couldn't push so him. No it, one to push him. But when you have that person fall, then the whole sport plummets down. Because I, I don't care about golf as much anymore. Right. Now the Tiger's I don't, out of it. I don't and care. now <laughs> Ronda Rousey watched, got knocked out, and I, it's like. I haven't watched tournaments. In yeah. golf, without Tiger being the guy, you're right. It's I used to watch Masters years, and all the years. Yeah, I I watched all the tournaments with him, like the big ones, Masters, PGA, and Open. But without Tiger Woods, I don't know. I know guys that like it, but I'm not really gonna sit there and watch. You know, Mickelson. No. He's decent. He's kind of it's kind of boring to watch these guys. Mm-hmm. And Tiger was always interesting. And that's what they were saying is kind of the problem with the individual dominance on uh, sports is that you run into that you issue one of guy that person goes, then then what, what do you have? At least in boxing in the 90s with the heavyweight division, you brought that up. When Tyson got out of prison, you still had a Tyson. You had a Vander Holyfield. You had Riddick Bowe. Yeah, Lennox Lewis. So you at least were able to mix these fights up right. where it's like Lennox versus right. Holyfield, and it kept you into uh, boxing. Now we don't have anything like that. Floyd Mayweather's gone. What, what, do you care what about anyone do? in boxing right no, now? No, that's what we mean. Yeah. The, the next one's Rousey could step in and, and take that money because yeah. that's the only one interesting. But she lost, and it's like the rematch, the I guess, but you're right. Good, but she'll have to win. The, if she loses again, she's done. Yeah. But that's the thing about that. But if she wins, I'll what? But you're right, Tara. I agree with you. Uh and I wonder who is going to be the next. And, and the funny thing is the media controls it. They do. The media controls everything in a sense. Who do they like? Who do they not like? Mm-hmm. Who's getting paid off? Who's not? And you need – we don't have colorful media guys either like we had years ago. Like mm-hmm. Howard Cosell could make somebody. Howard Cosell made four or five fighters with his – not only his drama, his story. I was a kid – yeah, you know, bo- I love boxing. I was a boxing junkie as a kid watching, and I knew Ron Lyle, Ken Norton, 
Ollie Fraser, all those guys. But I knew them because of Cosell. Cosell would tell the story. Right now, in prison, blah, 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 he's coming out, and he did 100 push-ups a day. This guy. And then, you know, so you got the story. This guy, he's getting out of prison. He's, you know, he's going to fight. He's going to start a new life and whatever. And he's this badass fighter. And then all of a sudden, he's, yeah, Ali, the same thing. Ali, Cosell helped make Ali, Ali. Mm-hmm. Ali was wonderful. He took that edge of going, you know, I'm the greatest. And the, but I'll, but you needed Cosell to get to be that media guy who would say these dramatic things. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be watching a fight, and he was the guy who would say, you know, I've never seen anyone who can be this fast and hit like that. Because then, <laughs> then you're, you picture it, and you go, okay, that's what he can do. You're right. He's right. So you got to have a he's right guy. And we really don't have a lot of that now. No, we don't. That I could tell. I mean, guys trying, but we really don't have it. I mean, you notice right now. I lament the fact that there are no real – there's not a lot of great nicknames anymore. <laughs> not no. a great – I mean, like, right. right now, what is the Patriots' offense known as? Give me the best defensive player. What's his nickname? There's no mean Joe Green. There's no steel curtain. Well, well, there's no purple people leaders. I mean, it's just – it doesn't seem like that there is that kind of – like you point. said, the media putting that kind of name on and giving a little spice. <laughs> no that. This is it. what's going to be kind of scary. The guy who is the Howard Cosell is no longer on the air, and that is Madden. John Madden for the football, for NFL. Yes. A lot of the guys that we watch, and I mean everyone, you had Madden talking about Roethlisberger, our guy, whoever, you know, be mm-hmm. like, you know, this big, tough guy who can run. About, and you start to get a pick, and then you've uh, everything from uh, – you, just think of all the players that are, that are uh, Peyton Manning and all those yeah. guys. They got that kind of image built by Madden in a sense. Now, take away out of the NFL right now. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers. Take him out of the NFL. How colorful in, in Ben. That's from that era still where You're he right, would talk yeah. about. Yeah. Take those guys out and the new guys that are coming up with the new announcers. How exciting is that, really? It's not, it's not as. Big Ben Roethlisberger, that's a nickname right there. Now you got, yeah, yeah. We got, well, yeah. who are we talking about? Andrew Luck and Kirk Cousins? Yeah. Does that really get you <laughs> fired up? Or, you no, know? no, not at all. Russell Think Wilson. Russell, Russell's building a legend, but he's not an exciting like guy. He's kind of a real straight, which is good. I mean, he's great that you have in your team, a straight guy, a good, decent guy. You know, he seems to be good, keeps his head on. But you need that guy that's that. Plus, he's you. a great quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He's a very good quarterback, Russell, on a great team in in but I, but that's it. You need a guy like Madden to tell me who Russell is You're in a weird way, right. or a media guy to say, you know, where you go. I'll tell you what, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the kind of quarterback to do this football mm-hmm. and build his image. So I go, oh, that that's who this guy is. You're absolutely because, like, right now, how much fun would Madden have with, let's say, a JJ Watt? Oh, a big kid, a, you know, a, a tough guy. He'd be sitting there, you know, boom, this guy, look at a big boom. You know, all that kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're chopped wood, big Wisconsin kid. Yeah, boom, you he know, in the, the mud and the blood and the you know. He was the guy in the middle of the thing would say, you know, uh, you know, yeah, J.J., you know, and he was in a diner and he had 22 pieces of chicken and he picked up the tab for everybody. I don't yeah. know, something where we yeah. could relate. Right. And you go, oh, man, that sounds like a great guy. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, wow. He, and he's builds like Superman. On top of it, somehow, and you're like, yeah, you're, yeah, I love it. He did it for from everyone, from Lawrence Taylor to whoever. All these people had this image of bigger than life. We don't have. A, I mean, you're hoping someone can come along because after Cosell, I thought, well, who's net? Who's going to be this guy? And then Madden 
kind of flourishes into that. You're now, so right because if you think about it, there's the Madden video game that's mm-hmm. so legendary. It's going right. to go on forever. Everyone yes. knows Madden. Every kid knows Madden, even if they don't know Madden. There is not. You're not going to get a Collinsworth '99. No, it's I not don't want to play get, that game. <laughs> no, it's exactly the, the generation's not. He's not. No. He's good. Collinsworth is good, but can he become great? I don't know. I don't, I don't know like if he him. ever could be that guy to tell me, you know, Russell Wilson is the greatest. This is why he's great. When he talks, there's a fake petition online to get rid of him. I don't know if you saw <laughs> that article. <laughs> that, well, he doesn't have a likability. Madden, you just no, had a likability to him, I think. Because I, I think the stat geeks are, are taking over. You're because right. of fantasy football yes. and everything like that. Yeah, well. So it's more about the, you know, uh, he rushes for 4.2 yards per carry, and this quarterback's QBR rating is 32.78, which is actually mm-hmm. three points higher than blah, 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 blah. John Madden wasn't about that. He was no. about size and blood the and game. heart. And, you know, so that the guy in the bar in, you know, at Needs Bar in Lawrenceville was sitting there going, yeah, Cowboys, 49ers, these tough guys. Yeah, I want that. Madden That's what said so. Well, he had, a, he had a Super Bowl ring. You know, too. You know, that's another thing. He had all that cred. Not a lot of announcers are going to sit there and go, "Jesus Christ, the guy got to the top of them." He's he knows. Well, he knows who he's talking about. You're thinking, the "Guy has a ring. He's been to the Super Bowl, and he not only did he won." So, I mean, that's, that's a rarity too. It's another thing. I mean, they're trying to make they're trying to find that guy. Believe it or not, you could tell they're trying to make Gruden that guy possibly in different he, guys. He, he just doesn't quite have the Maddenism. He doesn't have the likability or the smarts. You know, think about Madden. He made it look so easy and simple, he did. but it was a lot more complex. He made he it easy for the average person to watch the game and actually know what's going on, even mm-hmm. if you didn't know the X's and O's. And he would break it down so simple without making you feel dumb about it or being like mm-hmm. sarcastic. And he was so fun. And you had a good point, man. The stats are big now because big companies like NFL.com, mm-hmm. you have your NFL.com, and then you have like ESPN.com and these websites, they have their own fantasy football leagues that they have to push. They have to get you to get that. So those stats, it's kind of like everyone's just kind of treading water and just doing the stats instead of actually having fun. Like, remember, Natron means business. Like, yeah. that's fun. That made me want to watch Natron means. That's true. It's wrong. No, the bus Bettis. Do we get, like you said, with, Name drop. I mean, Berman, like <laughs> Chris Berman, maybe, but he's still not Cosell and his guy. No. I mean, or, Berman was fun, though. He, he's kind of fun. He did. He, he was made maybe, a lot of fun. He was close, yeah. but you don't have, like, you know. Nigerian Nightmare, Christian Accord. Yeah. I don't know. No, they just give nicknames on like your, Mike's, based on your name, like RG3 or Gronk or like in baseball. Yeah, 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 yeah. A-Rod. A-Rod. It's just A-Rod. stuff based A-Rod. on their name or you know, J-Dub, whatever it is. It's yeah. just something yeah, it's not quite without there. any creativity. Except there. for Muscle Hamster. That is good. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't like it. Muscle Hamster. He doesn't like <laughs> Muscle Hamster. He wanted to be known as... I don't know why he like that. Yeah, he no, know, why not? I don't know. It is a great name. Probably given to him by Madden. <laughs> There's a muscle hamster right there. But I think and another thing about Gruden, I mean, and he's the best one as out of right now. I agree. But because he was a former coach, and I think there's a part of him that wants to eventually get back into it, mm-hmm. he always has to add something in there. Like mm-hmm. you said, Madden didn't didn't made it simple. Mm-hmm. He was like, hey, they're just running off tackle and doing this. Gruden is great for, like you said, stating something obvious. He is but so that, obvious, man. It's yeah. That ball was right there. That hole was open right there. Nobody did. He ran right through that hole. That's <laughs> what you have to do. You got to run through the hole once open. But then he, like, but then he adds, you, but then he adds some football like terminology. There that was you, a three-two call right there in that reversal on the red on the red nine, and I saw him call the audible. When you run through a hole like that, you better be on a red nine. <laughs> yeah. So somebody in a bar sitting there going, "What's straight. a red nine cobra smash?" No. Yeah. If you're yeah. in a bar, you're like, "Oh yeah, red nine cobra." 
I called it. I called it. Red Nine Cobra. Of course he called Red Nine Cobra. Tomlin never calls a Red Nine Cobra smash. Wouldn't that be funny? Tomlin watches it. I don't understand this, man. We're the Red Nine Cobras. I do not understand this, man. funny. Maybe we'll have to wait for Mike. I think, Co- I think I'll tell you right now, Coach Tom, when he retires, he's going to be the next guy. He's good, man. He got all the, the – he is good. He is, gonna, he is built to be an announcer. This guy, when he's done, he's going to win a couple more Super Bowls. Be like, he's going to be the Madden. He's going to be right there. That, that man does no style points right there. There's no style points. The standard's <laughs> the standard. He's going to do all his little isms and – <laughs> You're right. He would be great because yeah, I mean, he'll be, be awesome. Yeah, he has the you know the look. And he's cool. He's got the He got the whole deal. He could retire in ten years, and he's I think still the second youngest coach in the NFL. He's like 43, yeah. 42, 43, yeah. somewhere yeah, in there. He, he retire in ten years. He's just in his early fifties. Put him he's, on TV. Yeah, yeah. He still got another twenty, thirty. You know, you're right. I think Peyton Manning walks into the booth and is fantastic. Though he could be the next man. Peyton Manning be fun. is comfortable in front of a camera. Yeah, he He's kind of got a folksy way. I think he could be the guy. Don't you think he could possibly do it? I think he can. If, if anyone could do it, it would be Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's funny. He got the big Frankenstein head. It's just everything yes. there is just going to be great. He's got the Frankenstein head. The Frankenstein head, head he just fits perfectly. I want him. Coach Tomlin and I want Peyton, Peyton Manning. Manning in the booth together. That'll be awesome. I think it'd be a great team, don't you think? That'd be epic. Coach Tomlin, I, you mark my words. That guy is going to be the big. He's going to be the big guy, the big announcer. The only thing that Peyton Manning has to worry about, and the only thing I would worry about, he can't take the game too seriously, because he's so immersed in film. He'd be one of those guys. Right. But he would be one of those guys who would be like, he'd get real into technical stuff and know about like, oh, they're going to run this route and blah blah blah. Someone would have to sit him down and be like. Understand what you're here to do is explain this to a guy on a bar stool as simple as humanly possible. Don't take it serious. It's a TV show. Go. Because that's one problem with like you. There's three types of announcers or three types of sports Mm -hmm. personalities. Number one is the jockstrap sniffers. They're the kids who couldn't play football, so they more or less cover them. I love that name. Yeah, they're the jockstrap sniffers. Then there's the ex-jocks who want to still be in the club, who never say anything. Right. They're the ones who just – Nothing controversial. Nothing controversial. Like, oh, yeah, he's really trying hard. Like, dude, he threw four interceptions. Yeah, but you know what? He's still got – no, he sucks. You try to put the helmet on. Yeah, you try to throw it. Then there's the ones that actually do make the money, which is the Maddens, the Terry Bradshaws, the Collinsworths. Those are the guys that they know the game, but they understand that their job is to tell the truth. And if that guy sucks, they have to say that guy sucks. And that's mm-hmm. tough. It's hard to do. Buddies of mine who retired from football that say that that was the hardest thing because, you, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, yeah. you, know, you see these guys. They'd be like, you guys had to review my show every day or serve stand-up. Yeah. And you'd every once in a while, it's going to suck. And you're going to say, Jimmy, you really suck today. And be like, why'd you say that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> my feelings. In that voice, you would do it? Yes, I would. I'm going to ninja voice. school. I'm going to ninja school. How <laughs> you do that? You. My, my, my stand-up name is now Whisper. Yes. <laughs> my name's Whisper now on. Why'd you do that to me? <laughs> Well, so they, yeah, they don't want to do it. They don't want to say anything bad, I guess, and whatever. So but like they feel when, weird, I guess. They feel weird because they know. But you got to. You better say. You got to say something. Joe Montana went for a year, and they canned him because he would never say anything. He, nah, he was. Well, bad. you know what? Though, also, a lot of guys think that it's easy because you see guys like I don't know. You see James Brown, the people who you know, degree from Harvard in journalism, and seriously, you see these guys who yeah. really can do it, and you see. Some players that have made the adjustment, maybe like Troy Aikman, say he's really good. 
Uh, like you right? He's very good, yeah. isn't he? he is. I uh, hate him because he was a cowboy, but as an announcer, he's won me he's over. Very like, yeah. He's very good. He's comfortable. I gotta comfortable. give it to him. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. made Joe Buck tolerable. He's yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. Yeah, he makes he, him. Yeah. yeah, he makes him. He brings Joe Buck down a little. Joe Buck's a prick. Yeah, well, Joe Buck is like seems like some country guy, country club guy that would kick us all out of the club, going, "You dope. You don't have a membership. You have to go." So he's all nepotism. Yeah. It's all nepotism. Leave S- the club now. He's an SOB, son of boss. We'd have to leave. Yeah. I actually like Tony Gonzalez right now. Tony's getting good. You're right. Well, there you go. He's well, fun. He's good. He's yeah. very good, actually. Yeah. And even as much as we hate him, Collinsworth, not bad. He can bring it. Here's why. They're comfortable in front of the camera. And they'll say something weird. It'll be almost possibly embarrassing to them or whatever. Joe... Montana did not have – you have to have some natural ability to perform, in other words. Some of those guys don't. If you could throw a football or catch one, just because you doesn't mean you have a natural ability to perform. And those guys do not. And they – and Joe was, I think, smart enough to realize. I'll bet Joe was the one who left before – because his name equity alone would be huge. And you see him now doing some more – he's coming forward now and doing more public things. And maybe because mm-hmm. – maybe he has a high lifestyle and needs the money. I don't know. But, but the po- bottom line is the natural talent. You you didn't see Joe Montana. I remember the first couple times seeing him, thinking it was uncomfortable to watch. He did not have like a a natural talent. But I got to tell you, uh, a guy like Michael Strahan. Oh, he's first awesome. time I saw him. This guy's a natural. Yeah, he's a performer. He's a he knows how to speak. He's a, he's a smart guy, but yet he's able to break it down for me. You know, general things in football for me. That's that's what I mean. There's a natural guy and there's a not natural guy. So a lot of those guys, I'll bet, I'll bet every player comes out thinking I can do that. They do. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about that. I was just saying, like, what do you do at the end of your career? That's why it was funny when we walked past, <laughs> you know, house. Jerome. But the the thing is, like, you see these ex athletes, and then they're done. You were the man. You were the top. Where man. do you get that juice again? You and don't. You're thirty. You're thirty three retired. Right. You're thirty five mm-hmm. retiring. The window it's, it's closed. Such a young, it's done. And now it's like, what do I do now with my life? And I'm telling him, like, Ray Lewis is bored as hell and goes, yo, I always want to be a rapper. And, like, being a rapper at 40 when you weren't a rapper and just jumping into the game, <laughs> no it doesn't work. It does not work. You're not a rapper. It's a horrible song. It's just stuff like that. Like, what do you do next? It all and they always bring them up to being announcers, it, and it doesn't mean they are. It doesn't mean they are, Terry. You're right. It, it all comes down to your natural ability that God gave you a talent to perform and to be an announcer. Michael Strahan, perfect announcer, oh, ends up amazing. on a talk show, likable, the whole deal. Joe Montana, he's not. And Ray Lewis, I don't know. He's on the fence if he could be an announcer. And I think I think part of it is his uh, controversial past maybe about him. Where Strahan, the only thing he would have is some – some wife issues, but that's not a crime. That's just him and his wife, and he is a good – you could accept him as a good – he's a Super Bowl champion and seems like a good guy. Lewis, I'm not sh- – you're, you're just a little bit leery about that whole Atlanta thing. I'm sorry. In the back of your mind, you know, you think, well, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. And I think part of that will hurt him in a way. And, and if he's he innocent, does. I don't know. If he is, it's really sad if, if he's Well, he totally got attacked. Innocent. Remember on national TV? He got attacked about the murders that when uh, Ray Rice hit his wife, they were like, well, what if mm. someone brings that up? And he said, those are two separate things. But you could tell in his face he wanted to stab the person. Well, you know what? Yeah. Right in the neck. <laughs> <That> <laughs> <show you>. it, <laughs> it, it, and it goes to show you he sh- the one thing he could do 
is go to young NFL players when they get in the league, NBA and baseball players and hockey players, yeah. and say, look, guys, one mistake. If he's, I don't know, if he's innocent, who he says he's innocent, maybe he is. I have no idea. We, none of us are there. It's between him and God. But if he could at least go to these players, whether say innocent or guilty, and just say, look, if you put yourself in these situations, one little thing can affect your entire career. Every you right? I mean that is one one bad decision like that. So guys, you know, keep your head on a swivel. Don't do, make, try not to make the bad. Don't think your decisions are going to just have not no repercussions. Yeah. And if you could at least because these kids are 19, 21 years old, twenty two coming out, it's pretty. That's a young kid, man. And all of a sudden you got you like a everything. contract. You're getting velvet roped and the whole thing. He could help in that way. Well, the thing that that's so tough about that, like you say, oh, we got to teach the you know a young kid. We do. Comes in. You but, played ball. You but know. the problem is when you're a professional athlete or college or whatever athlete, mm -hmm. the mentality you need to have uh, to compete at that level is, and this I'm using a, a line that Tunchyokin had. <laughs> it's completely yeah. true. You got to believe that you're ten feet tall and bulletproof. Yeah, it when goes you, against all everything you're saying. Yeah. it's like telling the, you know defensive end to be calm and this and the meantime you're you're taught to eat nails and kill <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah i know it's one of those things it's a complex thing but you have to maybe yeah but that's what i'm saying maybe a guy like ray lewis who's going to be a hall of famer and a super bowl champion could get to a kid who's 10 foot tall and all that and and say well okay it it happened to this guy and he's saying this happened and it affects his career till this day retired yeah. and he had a storied career football wise and it still bothers him. And it still it taints the career a little. So yeah. that's the guy that can that has to kind of do that, I think. And I don't know if he's doing that, but he should, because that's the guy that can influence I these young you. kids to kind of like going, yeah, man, if I make one stupid mistake, it could be all over like this. this no matter how great my career is, I could be dealing with it until I'm 40 years, you know, I'll be 40 years old. I mean, Ray Lewis wants to be in the public eye. And, yeah. every, and he knows he's got to deal with that probably all the time. All the time. Even in the books he has out and – Right. I mean, I'm, I'll bet you and he did get a lot of good things. I'm even I'm saying marketing wise, he really rehabilitated his career in a sense. He got like on a cover of Madden and things like that yeah. magazine covers. But I could tell you right now, this guy would have made if he did not made that mistake of being just being there. Like I said, I don't know if he's innocent or guilty, yeah. but if he, I'm just saying if he wasn't there, he'd make a zillion dollars. He'd I agree be, with you. He'd be as big or bigger than Peyton Manning because he had the looks, the charisma, the whole thing, and the, and the play to back up being the best linebacker in the league. Yeah. And he knew how to talk and the whole thing. You know, as far as talk to talk, walk to walk guy, he'd be big as Peyton Manning right now. Mm -hmm. Really, don't you think? No, I agree with you. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I, I understand it, but I don't understand why Tom Brady was being such a dick. Because he, how many more years does he have playing? Let's say he – One or two. One or two more years. Then you've got the rest of your career to work off your image and your name. Right. Outside of the Boston metro region, right. Tom Brady is one of the most despised people <laughs> on the planet. If he would have been contrite and said, you know what, it was a mistake, right. I'm sorry, whatever. You know what, maybe we go, you know what, he's, he's not a bad guy. I mean, you could sell me beer, you could sell me trucks, you could sell me burgers, you could sell me jeans for the rest of your life. Instead, no, you're a dick, you're an asshole, I never want to see you again. When, you're, when you retire, <laughs> you won't make, he'll, he'll have to do sports talk radio in Boston. That'll be the I, only thing I, he'll I be able to do. I, I, I respectfully disagree, Mikey, because I, I believe the guys like Brady will get coached up, and he's got that likability side to him. And I think what you're saying is what you said earlier, like what Tunch said, I think for those guys that have to be 10-foot tall and bulletproof, well, if you're a quarterback 
like that at league, you got to be 20 feet tall and bulletproof. So mm-hmm. it's almost like his head is in a place probably where he's got to be that swagger that I could never be wrong. Almost he's at, you're right. He acts pompous almost like he's God, like, come on, pal. But you know what? Maybe you got to be that way to like yesterday, bring your teams down and he just gets the ball. And I, I knew he was going to win. I'm watching thinking, I already know he's going to win because it's, He's looking his eye, and and to have that convinced, be not conceded, but convinced like that, that's maybe that transfers over, like you're saying earlier, Mike, that that transfers over. So maybe if we'll have to see, but when he retires, maybe you get people around him, or you know, calm down. You know, now you don't have to be that anymore, Tom. And how would, he adjusts. Would you believe that though? If all of a sudden they put him on some pregame show, and every you got to look at Tom Brady, and he's smiling, he's like. I would just sit there and be like, "You are now being the biggest phony prick." He's gonna have to, yeah. He's gonna have to be marketed and built his way into it and talk. You know, Peyton Manning didn't win us over. Peyton Manning's management team won us over because what they did was they positioned him in commercials that were funny and used humor. He had a marketing team around him. Peyton Manning's the most boring fuck coming out of college you have ever seen in your life. Watch interviews with him. He looked like he's go- – as far as a player, yeah. But as far as a personality, his first year, they're like, Peyton Manning's dumb. They thought, you know, because he talked like, you know, well, well, you don't you know, you shuck, all shucks. He did not have the image, but all of a sudden he does the – the cut your meat commercial, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. One or two years ago, and you're laughing. You're like, holy shit, that's funny. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's in another one that's funny. And they said, all right, let's use humor. And then he hosts Saturday Night Live. But he won, too, along with that, being a great quarterback. But I think it's the marketing of the person. Now, Brady marketed a little different. He went against what he said earlier in his career, which I'll never do any kind of st- – you know, all of a sudden, he's doing cologne commercials and stuff. He said he wouldn't do that kind of stuff, but he did. Because his marketing team said, okay, this is how we want to build you. We want to build you to be this guy, whoever he is. I don't know. Whatever married to the model, perfect life guy, I have no yeah, idea. He, but I think that is what they're doing is building an image. In other words, we don't know who he is yet until he retires and gets on the mic. You really know. I think he'll be okay from what I've seen in interviews that he'll be able to handle that. But we don't know for sure because when he's talking, he's talking about what he, asked, what he just did. He's not really creating anything. He's telling, you know, hey, what would you think of the game? How would you play that play? And he goes, well, I did this, this, and this, and he's really good at it. He's really compassionate. But can he take a game and, and give us a breakdown and tell us something like you said earlier, Mike, an emotional thing? I don't think we don't get to know those guys until after it's over. Because it, it's all scripted. Everything we've seen with this dude has been on commercials, right, or yeah. some kind of little yeah. sound bite. And just same with Montana. I would have bet Montana was going to be great in a booth back in the day because of the commercials he had done at the time and the way the image was built. I'm like, oh, he'll walk right in there. Sure enough, he goes in, can't speak. Yeah, he didn't do good. But when you when I mean you grew up in Pittsburgh when mm-hmm. Terry Bradshaw was the quarterback. Yes. Wasn't his image in terms of being the country boy, the devil may care yes. kind of guy? That was the guy that he was portraying in the seventies, and that's the image he took to Fox and the image he's still making millions of dollars a exactly. year. Exactly. He was one of the first guys to do that. Mike, you're absolutely it's, it's yeah, it's very uh, you're very on the money. He didn't like the fact that because of the country thing, they would they would say he's dumb. Because he's not. He's brilliant, actually. Mm-hmm. Really smart guy. But because, you know, that southern accent and just kind of had the chew in his mouth. And so they kind of, you know, they uh, remember the Hollywood Henderson couldn't spell cat. He gave you the mm-hmm. CNA. He says it hurt him and all. He was kind of a guy who wore his heart on his sleeve. And, and I'll bet you that was before the teams, like now the marketing teams, 
because they would have avoided it. They would have told him not to do that. Mm-hmm. But guess what? That would have been a mistake because the fact that he wore his heart on his sleeve made all generations, whether you're younger watching him or older, like him because you're like, he's imperfect. Yeah. He started talking about he had to have depression and all this stuff and has his medicines and all and you're like oh my uncle has that but you start thinking he's real he's a person he yeah. kind of wore his heart on his sleeve growing up but i yeah i think he built that image and figured it out going you know what they're calling me stupid but instead he got mad and got hurt but i think what happened was burt reynolds believe it or not and those people got around him became friends with him and i'm pretty sure if i had to bet on it, i bet those are the guys that said look play it up play that image man mm-hmm. you know that's all america that's and he's like instead of getting angry about it in other words be who you are and play it up be that good old boy and burt put him in a couple movies cannonball run and, this and, that, and he put the peanut butter out and did the country song thinking oh, i'll play the country thing and then you're right he got on the tonight shows and stuff and showed that character came out as funny he was kind of funny yeah and became the good old boy that all oh, terry's just <laughs> Just a minute. You know me, I'm an idiot. Pretty soon he's going, you know me, I'm dumb. Wink, wink. And he figured it out by by embracing it. He wasn't it. Yeah. You know, like he's in on the joke. So it's kind of kind of genius in a way, whether Absolutely. it fell into it great, or not. Great marketing, if it might have been by accident, but great marketing. Great he's marketing. like the most lovable person. He's very yeah. lovable, and he did it that way. And, and But I think these guys now have more of a team. And I don't know, it's harder because we see them. They're really carved, man. Peyton Manning, I always think, ah, oh, he's going to walk into the booth too, but I don't know. I, the commercials are great. Yeah. They're fucking unbelievable, man. They're multi million dollar. The one where he's doing, I think, is it Nationwide? Which one's the one yeah. that yeah, sings? Nationwide. Yeah. Chicken parm, it tastes so good. Chicken parm, it It's fucking hysterical. Yeah. And you're like, you like him. At the end, you like him, right? Yeah. Like, I love him. He's cool. And I the don't. thing about Peyton Manning, <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> you don't like him? <laughs> I can't stand him. <laughs> you can't stand him? <laughs> no. Oh, I hate him. But you know what? 75% so of Americans like him. There you go. Wayne, you like him? I like his personality. Here, one, two, three. It's four. Yeah. Three out of four out of five. <laughs> Most overrated athlete in the history of sports. Do you think? As like, a human being yeah. or an athlete. Oh, we got to debate this. Both. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Peyton Manning. <laughs> oh, my God. You've hit a nerve with Chris Collinsworth, Mike Mysocki. What are you saying? <laughs> Blasphemy. <laughs> Throw a hole. We need a quick. Wayne, call an old priest and a young priest. We have an exorcism we have to do. Douse this man with holy water. Uh, old right priest now. and a young priest. <laughs> the power of the Manning's upon you. The power of Cooper's upon you. Now, the thing about Peyton He's Manning, I'll bring this up and talk about how great of a marketing he was. You want to talk about a guy who could have been, to an average person, completely out of touch. Dad was an NFL player, mm-hmm. okay? Number one recruit coming out of high school. Yes. Number one draft pick. Mm-hmm. So really has never struggled. Had one 13-3 season and then pretty much made the playoffs his entire whatever. Mm-hmm. And but and somehow they made him, just like you said, a relatable, funny, goofy guy when he could have been just like Tom Brady in a sense of an untouchable God person yes. and, and did like that. It made him likable, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Now, the most overrated athlete. Um, what, what do you what, what, what way like overrated, Mike? You just don't think he's just top it's three the general consensus that everyone always says he's the greatest of all time. He's not. You put I him would in the say top he's five. The top five. I would put him in the top ten. Top ten, Mike. Ooh. Yeah, I got to hear your top ten. Who would you ballpark? Um, uh, well, give, I'm give me who's ahead. Brady's ahead. Just give me who's ahead. Brady's beating him what? 
12 out of 16 times. He's won four times as many Super Bowls. Okay. Brady's a better game, than him. A big, a big game player. Yeah, big game player. Montana's better than him. Montana's a big game player, yes. John Elway is better than him. John Elway, to me, maybe the best of all time because he was the first oh, running He guy really is. I, I, I re-looked the drive a, a little bit ago, and John that was Elway like, to me like was the best Manning's never seen. done anything like that. Elway and Marino are probably the two best I've ever seen. If I had to start a franchise and I had to get them all at 22, 23 years old right yeah. out of there, I'd start with John Elway. I have no yeah. problems. I have no that, problem with yeah. Elway, and I have no he problem with – He had a little with, bit of everything. I have no problem with Marino either, and I think Marino just – Marino, Marino put teams in the playoffs that should have never made the playoffs. <laughs> I yeah. love Marino. He's I love watching good. Marino play. He's that good. He uh, took uh, some horrible Dolphin teams and made them 10, nothing. And, 10 and 11. Like nobody on those teams. Uh, if I go <laughs> history, though, I'm going to go with Doug Williams also. Doug Williams is also my dad and I. You watch film of this guy. He was in a situation. If you put him in, put him in an offense like uh, Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner's another guy I think is great. Mm -hmm. Put it. Put Doug Williams in an offense. Watch this guy throw a ball. He he could read defenses. He was physical. He could throw like it was amazing. His his arm was amazing. Huge guy too. He took. He took. He was huge. He was the first kind of guy. It was big. A big quarterback a big guy like could probably play linebacker in a way yeah i'd say he is top 10 he doesn't have the stats but i got it he's a, he has a ring and he, he threw like four or five tds and i think in a championship in the super bowl yeah uh, you do that's pretty fucking good he was a scout <laughs> in the nfl and he came to our practice at uconn yeah he's at least three inches taller than me wow he is a huge human he being. ended up coaching at uh, grambling later yeah yeah, yeah he did coach yeah. grambling Watch film of him on NFL Network. Mm -hmm. Watch it. You'll see what I'm saying. When you watch him throw, and then tell me if this guy put him in any offense. That's what if you put. When you say greatest quarterbacks, you got you got to look at the, what offense they, they that they could play in any offense. So mm -hmm. I kind of will agree in a sense with you with Peyton Manning that I'm not quite sure he could play in any type of offense. Like it had to be a certain type of offense. Right. That's why Elway could play in any offense because he could move and throw an arm, throw for and 60 yards. I think uh, Marino, like I said, Marino, Marino, Montana, maybe not. Maybe you think not. Montana would? I, I think don't he's, know. I think he's a West Coast he guy. He threw 40 yards. He's not a 60. You know, I don't know if he could flick it. Uh, these guys, I'm saying Marino, uh, uh, you know, Elway and this guy, they could flick their wrist and throw 65 that's yards. That's part of being a quarterback. That's yeah. always out there. That's the debate about the system, about, the quarterback. That's the debate of a guy like Steve Young because initially he was drafted he's out of the can, UCL. He had a pretty good arm. But he was drafted in the NFL by Tampa Bay for one year. Play for LA, play for LA Express, believe me. I got a $25 million deal for that. So the question always is, is with, with Steve Young is, if he would have stayed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is he, an NFL, is he a Hall of Famer? Is no. he that good? No, he's not. Just like I said, Doug Williams, go back. To, I'm sorry, I just saw a special on him. <laughs> 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 you can tell he wants a documentary. But anyway, <laughs> he was with Tampa Bay. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Jimmy. It was a little out of right field. I'm like, okay, Doug Williams he, is pretty good. What's the documentary? <laughs> I saw his doc He brought him. He brought. Wait, he brought Tampa Bay. <laughs> wait, give me a chance. He brought Tampa Bay to fucking AFC Championship, and they sucked. Yeah, seventy. How good are you when you bring him? To, how good are you there? You got the shit beat out of him. And I watched the documentary. The other. <laughs> 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 Had I not saw, I would know nothing. But uh, but he then he came back for watching Joe Gibbs, who was his coach back then. He says, hey. Starting, you know, this team, I need you as my backup quarterback. And then he came as a backup. Mm -hmm. And they had, like, this Heath Schuler guy or something. And then Williams, oh, yeah. they showed Williams in practice. You're like, holy fuck, this guy's unbelievable, man. Jesus Christ. And then he gets in the game, and they're like, okay, Doug Williams. And then he just 
<laughs> now I'll give you an, I'll give you a name that I feel is I feel I'll give you a name I feel is overrated. Name just because personally I think he was really built by his offensive line. Who Emmett Smith? Yes. Um. Yeah. Yes and no. But comparing yes him to Barry no, Sanders, OJ right. Simpson, those levels. Here's the thing you got to give him respect for: durability. Yes. If you can go that long with durability, you're great. I mean, you did. You had to play with some pain, and he did. There were. I remember that one game. He had a separated shoulder, and he was like in tears from pain. Still played and got 120. Oh, would you put the Giants or yes. something? But that's, I, that's, I, that's, I that's get what you, you're saying. Would you yeah. put him you top got, five running backs? Yes. yes, because of durability. I would not. Because not a lot of guys could have had that many carries. He has a lot of longevity, and he was the perfect balance back. He had speed, size, and he was – there it was wasn't something that about was, him that was, yeah, was great. It, it wasn't that it was he was superior in any of those aspects, but put them all together, and you put good in all, you put good in all those aspects, and but your heart, the way he played like a lion and playing hurt, then you become great. Then you're saying great. So is he in the top five? Absolutely. But I, yeah, that line. I was. know he had that line. That line was insane. Well, Barry Sanders had that line. Yeah. Barry, Barry Sanders. Sanders would still be running right he now. Would, <laughs> he would have forty thousand yards. He didn't want to break Sanders the record. Though, was but. great. I mean, he was. Great. He was great. Yeah. No doubt. Every player and scout calls him the greatest of all time. To me, he believe it or not, he's my Peyton Manning. To me, I thought a little overrated. I'm what? Sorry. what? I think he's Barry great. Sanders? I thought he was great. I thought he was great. But if you built a team around him and he had every carry, there's no He made the else. Detroit Lions a playoff team. Yeah, he, he was durable the also. Detroit Lions. He was durable. He was durable. <laughs> no, I'll give him the top, yes, top five. But I'm saying greatest okay. of all time. As long as Barry's right. in your top five, I'm he's okay in my with top that. five okay. because of durability, but I'm not saying greatest of Greatest all running back of all time. That's what I meant. When I say overrated, I'm saying everybody says Gray Heron. I know who he's going to say, but who's your who's greatest your, running back of all time? I want to see if you're going to say it. Well, to me, Franco Harris. I knew it. I knew he was going to say Franco. Because. That's his hero. If you, my hero. Yeah. And if you think about it, give him his window when he was at his peak. You never had a guy who was so big and so fast at the same time. It was, was a combination of speed and size that, 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 that he could gruelingly. He could take. He, he, they don't show it, but he took linebackers out. He's a fullback. He'd knock them out, man. And, and they, they, he got knocks on him for going out of bounds. Uh, before tackles, but that was that was smarts. I think it, it prolonged his career yeah. probably another three years. Mm. Why would you take a hit for no yards? Emmitt Smith started doing that, that later. Sense. Yes, and players his, follow mm -hmm. his blueprint now. Yeah, they do. He took Dorsett the heat. did that. Yeah, yeah. he took yeah. the heat. But but the same thing with and I love Jim Brown. He has a you know history, and I know I, he's before my ears for seeing him live. So it's on. But I know seeing tape. But I think the same thing. Like Barry, he's in the top five. But Barry Sanders, same thing. He they built a team around him. My God. If you had thirty, if you were a great athlete, you make it to the NFL, and you were going to get thirty carries a game, and the line was built toward you, the offense was built to you, the plays was toward you as a running back, I think you're going to do pretty fucking. Good. Jim Brown is pretty. It, 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 and, yeah. and I mean, they could have lost. Well, he's a freak of nature. But where did Detroit with Barry? God bless you, Barry Sanders. I mean, he's wonderful. But I, and I bet he was the first one to say this too. He said, "Get me a fucking quarterback and receiver and stuff. Build a team around me." Mm -hmm. And they just like, "Nah, we're going to just keep going with this, Barry." This is you. <laughs> this is the system. We got you, Scott Mitchell. We're running you. Yeah, we're gonna run you. We're running these play. You're the guy they come to see. We're not fucking with this system. And but they he, never gave him a fullback. He played in the run and shoot most and of his quit. career. That was crazy. Barry walked away because they didn't do that. Barry was saying, "Look, just because the Raider on Walter Payton when he won the championship, Payton did not win until they built the team around him, and Payton had to kind of step back. Mm -hmm. Which they say Payton got upset with the Super Bowl and that some things in the year. He's not alive now to talk about it." 
if he's alive now, maybe he would say, oh, I was a kid younger then, and calmer heads would have prevailed now looking back and thinking, well, fuck, he won a championship. And he still had like 35, 40 yards in the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. still made it and won it. But the thing is, a guy like Barry would have he, – he was ready to do that. And I remember in an interview, he said, I want to step back. I don't want to be the guy getting 27, 28 carries. I want a quarterback and running back. And it, it was all marketing, the team, and a lot of other philosophies mm-hmm. going against him that they didn't want to do it, so he left. He quit. Now let me ask you, what about O.J. Simpson? The film I've seen of him is insane. He is He's an insane top one. five of all I've ever seen. I've ever, I've ever seen. He was amazing. 6'2", 220, as breakaway a kid, speed. Just as a kid, I was like I don't mesmerized. He, was he had 200 yards against the Steelers one time. I was like 10 or 11 or something. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> this was the old Curtin Steelers, 74. Like, yeah. I was Jay. But Jeez. I remember Howard Cosell. He was murdering Howard him. Co- <laughs> he murdered him. <laughs> Howard Cosell. Style. Howard Cosell. Monday Night Football built these players. Just like I said, we were talking the big full circle. And that was his thing. With, he made O.J. Simpson. He did. Because his highlights was the greatest. The he juice. He'd always say, um, i never forget it, and they'd show, and, they, and he edited it fucking perfectly. Mm-hmm. You'd see, uh, they'd show these, these palm trees, and they go, Miami has the oranges. And they'd cut and OJ, be like running like by like nine players. He goes, but Buffalo's got the juice. And he'd be like, wow. It, it, it was the, the best, no, the best. The juice the, is a great nickname. The best I had ever seen, uh, I, I mean, I love Franco's my hero, the juice. But I got to tell you, the best and most dominant player I've ever seen live, let's say live, was Tony Dorsett. Oh, Tony Dorsett? I thought you were going to say Bo Jackson. Bo is great. Bo was great, no doubt. But Tony Dorsett was the – I'd never seen anything like it in my life when I saw him. At, I saw a game at Pitt. I got a couple games actually at Pitt. It was like watching – I don't even know what that was like. It was like watching the fastest kid in a Sandlot game, and you have all the other kids can't even get near him. It was weird. It, 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 this guy had 300 yards against fucking Notre Dame. Yeah, 300. And then when Notre Dame was Notre Dame, I mean, you know. They had 6,000 uh, 6, plus in his career, which stood for like maybe another 20, 25 <laughs> About years. 30 years. Yeah, yeah, Ricky Williams broke Ricky it in Will- the late. Yeah. Then he goes yeah. to Dallas after winning the national championship and gets a Super Bowl ring. Changed the whole team. How did Dallas get him? He was a high school. Traded like, with the Seattle Seahawks to get trade. players. Yeah. yeah, they moved what up. What the hell, Seattle? <laughs> and I don't think. Because <laughs> yeah. Dallas was a good team, yeah. man. Yeah. And Dorsett won the Heisman and coming from a national what championship team. 77? 77? Well, 77 draft. 77 so. draft, yeah. Here's the weird thing about that. They made able to make the trade in the middle of the round, I believe. I don't think. I'm sure he didn't go first. I think um, Ricky Be- second, uh, Bell, think. Uh, the guy for USC, went to Tampa Bay. They thought it was the year, I think it was after both were bad. They, the were the they thought he yeah. wasn't durable. Yeah, they, size was an issue. They thought his size was an issue. He was so fast, guys. It was unbelievable. What a great player. I remember interviewing him one time, and uh, he was looking at his stats, and he and, he, and we're looking at it, and I'm like, look at that, look at that. And I go, 300 against Notre Dame, 200, 185 against Nebraska. I said, 200 or something. He goes, and he looks at, let me see that. Tony Dorsett, he looks and goes, damn, I was good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you were, boss. I had the Pitt highlight video from 1976, and the thing that people forget about that team, they were down to, like, their third or fourth string quarterback that year, and so Mm -hmm. it's so funny on the highlight film. Wait, let me just guess the guy. Is it Rick Tricano? I believe, yeah. Or it was even after it was like it was just a it was a name of a Tyler guy that like something? something like that. But they were down to like their fourth string quarterback. I remember. And, it. and the highlight film goes 
They were down to their fourth string quarterback. <laughs> what should Pitt do? And my brother, who's like 12 at the time, we're watching. He goes, they're going to give the ball to Dorsett. And yeah. the, next, the next line was, but they still had Tony Dorsett. That's all you need. And he ran for like 300 yards. Yes. I'm like, I could play quarterback here. Go. Yes. And then all of a sudden you lose Dorsett and you walk in and have Dan Marino next. Jesus. What a written He had records in the NFL, too. What was his? He had the longest run from scrimmage, Monday Night Football against the uh, Vikings. Yeah. He, was, he was so fast. That was the thing. It was just so fast. It was amazing. Like and a legitimate 4-3. Just, four, just three, amazing, yeah. elusive. And, yeah, we had some great, great players out of Pittsburgh, man. I know it hurt that he was a Dallas, but I still had the root for Tony. He's in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's the man. <laughs> hey, I hope everyone enjoyed the show. I mean, we're really rocking. We're going over such a great time. We didn't realize the time, man. I hope everyone's enjoying the podcast as much as we enjoy doing it. We always appreciate you listening, and thank you to the Sideshow Network for, for having us. We love it. And uh, the, the, I'm telling you, I'm liking the new studio a lot here, guys. Very nice job. And, and don't forget uh, Frank's show on the Pittsburgh Podcast Network, Pittsburgh Press Pass. Yeah, it's, it's a great show, Frank Mergia and the podcast, and Pittsburgh Podcast Network. But uh, we uh, thank you so much for listening and appreciate and talk to you next week. Jim Crenn, no restrictions on the Sideshow Network. Hey everybody, it's Jim Cran of Jim Cran No Restrictions. I just wanted to take the time out to thank you for listening to the show. We have a little over 100,000 subscribers now, every week listening to the show. Go to SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or JimCran.com and subscribe today. And thanks again. your business, whether large or small, is in need of commercial collections, choose PrimeCore Group. PrimeCore Group is a Pittsburgh-based corporate collections agency. Now, if your business is owed money, PrimeCore Group is there to help you. On a contingency basis only, PrimeCore Group will recover what is owed to you in a professional and trusted manner. Contact PrimeCore Group today by going to primecoregroup.com.